Welcome to Avoid the Confusion, the podcast where we delve deep into the minds of top performers in their respective fields. I'm your host, Kenny Robinson, and each week my goal is to bring you inspiring guests who will share their stories and strategies for success. Here at Avoid the Confusion, we believe that mental toughness is the key to achieving your goals. We explore the power of not giving up. We showcase the many failures and obstacles that are part of the journey towards success. So join us on this weekly journey of discovery as we bring you stories that show we are all human and that success is achievable with the right mindset and strategies. Get ready to be inspired to be the best version of yourself and Buckle up and don't forget, this is Avoid the Confusion. Welcome back, everybody. This week, I have Johnny Buck joining me. Johnny's a friend of mine from Asheville, North Carolina. He owns Rogue Combat Club and ex-professional MMA fighter himself. Spent some time in Bellator. I know he's with the XFC for a while. And I uh, just wanted to introduce Johnny, give him a chance to tell you a little bit about himself, a little bit about his background, and we'll dive into how he transitioned from being a fighter to getting into training and building facilities and, and coaching and all of that. And I look forward to it. I think it's going to be an immense amount of uh, benefit for anybody listening to hear his story, the things he's went through but they, to get to where he's at. I mean, I can't imagine. I mean, roofing's kind of tough, but I've never been punched in the face or lost any teeth or anything like that. So I'm excited about this one, being an MMA fan myself. I think it's going to be great. Johnny, thanks so much for joining us, man. Tell us a little bit about yourself and how you've been. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I started MMA business. So I, quick background. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm from West North Carolina and, uh, football is big here. Um, so I, you know, I played football from the time I started my move here. I was five years old and played, you know, elementary school through high school. And my dad was like, man, you should go out to, for wrestling. It'll get you in shape. You know, that way you can stay in shape for football. And like, yeah, you know, the football measurements that was 195 pounds and almost six feet tall, but like I'm five, nine and a half, maybe on a good day. You know, I wasn't that fast. I wasn't that big. So, but you know, we're going to go to the NFL. <laughs> so uh, we they started the eighth grade wrestling team. I, I fell in love with it. I uh, went undefeated my freshman year or my eighth grade year because I had no clue I was doing. I was a better athlete. I was a heavyweight. I weighed 170 pounds. Uh, but uh, fell in love with it, you know, trying to stay in shape for football. And then really, I really, you know, I wrestled all through high school and my junior year, I started taking a little more serious, um, you know, and then my plan was to go in the army after high school. Uh, but I got a phone call that summer, had all my recruiting paperwork filled out. I got a phone call that summer and it was like, Hey, do you want to wrestle in college? I'm like, yeah, like go wrestle more, not really do anything. So I wrestled at Citadel for five years, a D one school. And, uh, you know, actually I wrestled heavyweight for two years in college as well. So, I, you know, I was always wrestling bigger guys, but, uh, you know, and then my red shirt senior year, so the year before I was done wrestling, I came home and my wrestling coach, he's my middle school, high school wrestling coach, my travel coach, was like, hey, man, you want to come do this jujitsu thing? You know, it's close enough to wrestling, you'll get something out of it. And then, uh, you know, but it's, it's different enough, you won't get burnt out. So, yeah, man, I'll, I'll try it. So I came home and three months later, I had my first MMA fight. Um, yeah. I don't, know what happened <laughs> this is not what we we planned on uh, which was kind of typical for him but yeah i got an mma i loved it um you know they put me against a boxer my coach was like do not throw a punch on your feet you take him down and you hit him i'm like all right cool got it and uh i, I watched that fight not too long ago i was fucking terrible <laughs> but, <laughs> I was like, God, but uh you know so i 
did that one back to college. My college wrestling coach was, man, that's really cool, but don't ever do that again. You're on scholarship. And then when I graduated, I uh, went back to the same gym and I actually bought into that gym while my coach was leaving. So I bought his space. And that's how I got into the gym world. Uh, I was still fighting. I was amateur still. Uh, turned pro shortly after that. You know, we made some mistakes there business-wise. But mm-hmm. uh, I just got into I kind of fell into the gym. And then uh, fast forward, we had another guy who's supposed to be an investor. Um, I had an interview the other day with somebody. He ended up doing a lot more for MMA than most people think. He had no clue he was doing, but he had a bunch of money from the poker machines that came around for a while. He was one of the first guys doing it. And, uh, you know, we all made mistakes. You know, I was mm-hmm. angry at the time, but uh, I ended up losing my gym in a lawsuit over that. He was supposed to be a solid investor. I had no clue what I was doing with business. He had no clue what he was doing with business. My coach was a hell of a coach. Like, it was just a, a zoo. But I was still fighting. I, I had just signed my Bellator contract. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Yeah, I just signed my Bellator contract. I mean, I got to still fight. So I opened my own gym out of necessity. I bought an octagon from a buddy of mine who I actually fought in as an amateur. It's my last amateur fight. They were going out of the fight game, so I bought it. And that's just how I started. It, it was like one of those forcing that I need a place to train. There's no one and nowhere in Asheville I can train. What do I nope. do? So I opened my own space. You know, it was out of necessity. It was not the best business model. <laughs> so, but, um, you know, we at my peak for the first, that was 2013, at my peak for the first four years, three or four years, I had like maybe 18 members. Um, I had no clue what I was doing. Everything was out of pocket. It was like legit bootstrap situation. And uh, one of my guys is still with me. Um, he's been with me since 20, we actually went to high school together. Uh, uh, Michael Elliston, he's still with me. Exactly. We're about to bring him on full time again. So he he moved, but yeah, I've, I've been in the gym game a long time. I made every mistake there is. Um, I continue to make mistakes, but uh, it, it's been a wild ride. And currently, we're at three hundred and eighty members, I think, which is top. Awesome. Yeah, top one percent of the entire industry, which is is hard to believe. Yeah, I mean that is absolutely amazing. And from the outside looking in, I know we don't we've known each other for a little bit, and uh, I, I follow your stuff on social media, on Facebook, and all that. And it looks like you have an immense amount of success in your setup and your business currently today. And that's what I was wanting to really talk to when when we got to talking about you coming on the show and doing this episode. Is how was that transition from being a fighter? to transition and into the actual business side of things and, and, and having a sort of start to manage people because my, my perception looking in is as a fighter, it's all about you. You're training, you're worried about your skills. You're it's, it's you're in complete control of the outcome. How's it feel transitioning into leading people and managing people and now relying on it's no longer your performance. It is, but it's not, it's different. So hey, yeah, tell us tell us a little bit about that, man. Honestly, it really so fighting is not nerve wracking to me. Like I'm gonna go in the cage, I'm gonna fight and have fun. You know, I, I enjoyed it uh, near the end at least. Um, in the beginning, it was it was an actual fist fight. <laughs> no different. Yeah. Than, oh, this is sport. Oh, cool. You know, now you know I've won at the world level. I won IBJJF Worlds a couple years ago. I've won a couple world titles. For me, it's not nerve wracking because it's just me, but. When I'm coaching somebody else in the cage or the, or the it, dude, my heart races more. So where it parallels is like people have always followed me for whatever mm-hmm. reason. 
whether to watch me fail because I'm an idiot or to like, they like watching me succeed, whatever situation people will always kind of follow me. Right. And supported me, which, which has been really important, but where the difference is now I'm trying to take these people and coach them to a level up. And it's really difficult. Um, I'm not the best communicator. I'm like, I'll, I'll but Hey man, go do this. And that's, I expect it to be done. So the transition to leadership has been really tough. You know, coaching coaching guys, you know, whether on the mats or off, has been really interesting. Learning, like like I'm not to toot my own horn, but I'm one of the best mat coaches there is. Like I I understand how to win. I can teach my guys how to win. I'm like do this, do that. Where when it comes to push, comes to shove in the moment. When it comes to preparation with communication and details and stuff, I really struggle with that. So that's been the biggest thing for me is trying to figure out what it takes to for and each person is different you know yes right that's been the biggest thing is you know the the biggest challenge has been understanding who they are like it i'll say this is the biggest mistake i made do not expect them to care as much as i do or perform the way i do because there's nothing there's nothing that like hey man you got to be there the last day of my lease moving to this new gym because i'm in a new location now I was there up until midnight on New Year's Eve, breaking the gym down. And we closed the gym down from Christmas Eve to New Year's Eve. And I didn't ask any of my guys to be there. But like that's what I was willing to do, you know, and I can't it's not fair to expect them to, to, to do that. So coaching and and leveling people up has been really, really a big challenge for me because it, it's not just me anymore. You know, and running the business by myself versus now is completely different. I, I know what I need to do. But I don't always yeah. that's been the biggest struggle for me. Man, I've run into a lot of those issues in my business too. Some of the harder conversations. And a lot of times I get frustrated. I've found and I've learned this about myself as I get frustrated. Cause like you said, breaking the gym down at midnight on New Year's Eve, I do those type things in my business as well. And then you'll have someone who comes in and misses the mark or doesn't quite want to do what they get paid to do or something like that and it's easy to have people around you that it, it, it sort of start to i don't want to say take credit because like everybody who works with me in my business does an amazing job and it, without them we would not be where we are i'm not trying to say any of that but you do have people at times that come in and out of your life and they want to try to take credit for things that you've done take credit for things that you're currently doing and i have found the hardest thing for me is to have conversations for that, but also to push people to a level that I can see within them. And the world today has gotten extremely soft. And I don't say that I'm not trying to be political. I'm not trying to argue with anybody, but people come in, they show up for work and it's about how they're feeling. If, if they're, if they're not having a good day, they're not going to have a good day at work. And I've never been one to live my, to try to live my life that I always try to be in control. I always try to focus on what I control, try not to let my emotions get in the way. And uh, when other people don't show up with the same level of commitment, it does make it extremely hard, at least in my experience, to have conversations with them because a lot of times they're doing a good job. They're they're creating revenue for the company, whatever the case may be. But I want to sit down and have a conversation with you and let you know that I see something in you. Like you're only showing up maybe 40%. And you have so much left in a tank. I see so much potential in you. That's a very hard conversation to have because at the same time, you're telling people you're not doing what you need to do. And people take offense to that and it can start to 
build gaps and relationships and things like that. So, so maintaining relationships with, with the people around me and trying to bring the best out of them in a roofing company is stressful. So I can't imagine how that relates to every single day. You're trying to push people to the limits. Like that's what you do. That's what your business model is, is to make, to help someone be the best version of themselves, especially in the cage or on the mat or wherever it is that they're going. So man, I don't envy I don't need the that side of your business at all. I, miss, I can't imagine. Roofing sometimes, put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hear you, man. So as you were getting your your gym started, what how was it? I don't know how how professional MMA fighters get paid, except for the ones who make that we see at the end of like your John Jones and those guys. We know those do well. So how was it? How were you doing? financially when you were fighting were you doing okay were you just surviving was it was the gym was a gym like i have to do something because i i now have a family i mean what what was the catalyst that in your mind that switched you from being a fighter saying you know what i'm going to take the next was it age it was actually really simple i don't or easy i guess i don't know if it's simple or not i so i uh i was thinking about retiring before bellator um, I fought, I fought, uh, XFC, uh, had, had my one and only knockout on my feet, uh, which was on ESPN, which is super fucking cool. Um, yeah. but, uh, you know, against a buddy of mine and, uh, I get a phone call from Bellator. I'm like, all right, cool. And, and so we made, so my, this is how small the world MMA is and, and how, it's a soap opera. Like, mm-hmm. let's just be honest. The UFC is WWE, which is a soap opera. So my coach who got me into MMA, I bought him out of the gym. He moved to Charlotte. He started coaching guys down there. He had a falling out with my ex-business partner. Then I started fighting his guys and I was knocking them off left and right. Like it just, I knew what I knew. I knew how my game worked. And so I, I was, for that fight, I was fighting with my teammates or, or training partners, not teammates. I knew that I was going to beat him by the end of the fight, and they knew exactly what I was going to do. So end up going my way. I knocked him out, complete fluke, not fluke, but complete not mm-hmm. what you expect. I'm a wrestler, you know. Yeah. Um, and he was a striker. He, you know, fought in the UFC and 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 still he's still doing some stuff. Anyways, so I I won that fight. I'm like, man, this is cool. I really don't want to do this anymore. I don't like fighting. I don't like cutting weight. Cause I'd walk around at 205 and cut down to 170, like mm-hmm. in four or five days. And I'd be 205 in the cage again the next day. I was like, man, I'm really getting tired of this. It's wearing on me. I'm tired of being broke. Cause I was broke. It, it was literally, I'd max the credit card out. I would take a fight. Sometimes a fight I wouldn't take on purpose. I, I needed the fight. That's how we'll do it. Pay the credit card off, do it again. It, it was a vicious cycle of very bad cash flow management. Mm-hmm. Um, because I did commit to it, you know, I, I would take, I worked in a bar and then when life got a little crazy, I got into, cause I did construction with my dad. It rained. We couldn't work 87 out of 90 days because of the weather. Like it was funny. I, I, I would live with my ex-girlfriend. Here's the house. And then right by literally walking distance was the house my dad was building. And it was just, it was muck. We couldn't get a machine in there. So, I went and did commercial HVAC with a buddy of mine. And uh, so we, we drove all over. We drove to South Carolina, which is about two hours. Uh, I was closer to Claudio's house than, than mine. Uh, <laughs> for, for most of yeah, so, you know, it's a ride. And uh, I just got tired of it. You know, it, it wore me down too much. It was 
you know, we'd leave at 4.30 in the morning to get down there because my boss was super cool. He'd like, I said, Mike, I need to be back in the gym at five o'clock. So he, we, whatever it took to get down there. And, and his, his son and the other guys are cool. They got to be off early too. And uh, I just got tired of doing it, man. And what happened was I was, I remember, do I remember exactly where I was, what was happening. And I'm at the point where I've got about 25, 30 members in their gym. So I'm making money, not decent money, but I was making money. And I was torn between, I'm like, man, I, I'm making good money here, making 20 bucks an hour, plus, you know, all these bonuses and stuff. But it's also keeping me away from the gym 30, 40 hours a week. I'm like, mm-hmm. fuck, what do I do? And I was listening to Tim. I listened I listen to audiobooks uh, when I was driving. Mm-hmm. I was in my boss's truck. Uh, <laughs> and I'm like, and it was Tim Ferriss, four-hour work. We are talking about. Uh, he asked, he asked his mom in the book, it's a really good book. He asked his mom in the book, you know, what made you decide to have kids when you had them? And long story short, she said, for the most important time, things in life, the time will never be right. And I quit my job today. I gave him a two hour, uh, two, you know, two week notice. We finished the job we were on. I pieced out and uh, I did side jobs here and there. You know, it was just a mess. I was like, you know, I'm going to have to do this now or never because, you know, I didn't want to be tied up. So that's what made me quit. And I was still fighting. So I had more time for training, but I had less money. So you know, I was continuing that vicious cycle of, of horrible cash flow. Um, but yeah, that was it. And then fought my two bell tour fights. I had another option. If they want to call me right now, they technically can uh, to fight again. I'll tell them no. And I took one more local fight. It was somebody I should have walked through. It was a very easy fight. I should have walked through him. He beat me. Um, and then I took two weeks off, and I got back into training, and I started doing my conditioning. I do one-minute sprint on a rower and then three minutes off. So I did my first one. I'm like, dude, that was maybe 60%. Stop being a bitch. Go hard. Mm-hmm. And I'm like 20 seconds to the next rower, and I'm pulling. I stop. I put my the handle back in the rower, and I'm that's it. I'm done. And I knew that I was done. So that's when I'm like, all right, now I got to make this gym legit. So I kept working for my boss. for That's when I retired. I kept working for my boss, and then I quit again. Um, I quit my other job. And I, I just made I made the jump in 2016, 2017 to 100% in the gym, sink or swim, you know, burn the boats kind of thing. How old were you, it, real quick, how old were you when you made that transition? 31 years old. 31. So in the fight game. You still had a little bit of time left. I had more but, fights than most people did. We fought a lot. Yeah. One of my teammates fought 13 times in a or 14 times in a year. Like combined. Wow. Unheard of. We were just fighting every weekend. Wow. He fought back to back weekends. He fought six days apart, which is illegal. But the turnaround time was so fast, it didn't go on the national registry. So nobody knew he fought. Like that's that's how he got paid. You know, we we're idiots. Yeah. <laughs> not the yeah, man that is wild that's so crazy to me so when you made that transition and you said okay on the rower you knew for a fact was it more of just you were tired of that lifestyle or pushing yourself or was it did you have a moment where you you were like not that it's a stupid dream by any means because you you more than most people lived your dreams you were there you were fighting you were doing it most people don't make it that far with any dream they've ever had in their life. They didn't, they've never even come close to it because they're not willing to be disciplined in their daily actions to get to that point. You achieve that. When you're sitting there on that rower, though, do you, did you make that decision? Was it just the lifestyle? I mean, what was, what was it, what was it for you? 
it was no longer fulfilling. Like, I, I think that was the biggest thing. It was no longer fulfilling. Like, I still love training hard. I still love competing, you know, all of that stuff. And But, like, it just didn't fulfill me anymore. Like, this is not my purpose. This is not what I'm here for. And to the, like, I, I'm I'm not saying an adrenaline junkie, but I need to be pushed constantly. And that, and that was the thing. So I retired, and it was with my ex-girlfriend at the time, and I filled out every bit of Army paperwork there was except for the signature. And we were waiting on – I forget what it was to come back. Then I, t- I didn't even tell her. I was. She goes, are you bored? I'm like, yeah, I really am. Because I, I sucked at business. I didn't know you could win mm-hmm. a business, by the way. That was impossible. The fact that you can make $10,000 a year in a gym was completely fucking out of the thing. If I don't make that a week, I don't pay my bills now. You know, so that's right. I was like, oh, you know, I, I just don't want to live this life. You know, I'll do the National Guard thing or reserve thing and then make some money there. And then I'll just kind of part time. And she goes, why don't you go do, like, why don't you compete? I was like, I don't want to do MMA. She's like, do jujitsu. And it was just like the universe clicked. One of my guys goes, hey, man, I signed up for a jiu-jitsu tournament this weekend. You want to go? It was four days later. I'm like, yeah, fuck it. Let's go. How much does it cost? hundred bucks? Let's go. Yeah. Went down and I, and I just mopped the math. I'm like, dude, I love this. So I got back into competing on that side a little bit. But, you know, I, I've won Worlds recently. I, I compete some. I do, I've got so many competitors in the gym now. I, don't, I can't get on the mats and, and compete and coach. Yeah. But what I found was like you can compete in business every day, mm-hmm. and you can do this till you're a million. And I really like it. And you know, what's been interesting to me is trying to figure out is basically like how do you measure winning in business? Is it money? Is it impact? Is it how many? Dude. I've got like there's a lockbox over there with thank you notes. Like, and, and this is what it is for me. I've made more money than I ever made in my entire life right now. And I got, I'm living great. I got this house. I got a rental house. I got the super cool Bronco. I bought my wife a car during COVID. That was a nightmare. Mm-hmm. I'm like, if I never make a penny again, that's cool too. How do I do this? You know, so in that lockbox, and I've got screenshots on my phone now, it's messages. I wouldn't be alive if it wasn't for this gym. I'm like, mm-hmm. fuck. That's it. Now, man. now I'm like, how fucking big can I make this gym? And I need to make a bigger impact. So that's that's a constant pursuit for me. Is but that's a current that's evolution. To in my in my experience, I've talked to so many people, even on the show, there we're in your exact in your exact spot. Your yours is a little different because you're fighting. You're the you are the man in the arena. Then all of a sudden you have to shift and start giving attention. It's somebody else's time now. As a human being, as a man, a lot of times that's hard to deal with. I love hearing how you navigated through all that. And you didn't, it doesn't appear like your ego got in the way. Cause it's gotta be very hard to step away from being the guy that everybody's looking at to now making sure that I make this person as successful as possible. I want him to be better than I ever was. And there t- it's, there's some mental growth and some evolution that has to happen before you start to see things that way. And you start to get those Thank you notes and those I wouldn't be alive if it wasn't for this gym. And all of a sudden money starts to fade back. That's just a byproduct. When you start living your life for other people, helping other people, trying to see how you can make those around you better, money tends to not be too much of an issue after that moving forward. When you're focused on the money and you're focused on the issues and focused on the problems, it's hard to get out of your own way. It's just, it's too hard. So I love hearing about that evolution in business, man, the helping the people that's to me, 
at the end of the day, that's all I care about is what kind of legacy am I building? What kind of impact yeah. am I leaving behind? And you don't you don't start to think that way until you you have to be well on the on the upside of that 31 year old mark before you start viewing life that way. But it comes eventually. Yeah, that's what my mom told me. She goes when, when I retired was, you know, I took my parents out to eat and they had to pay for it. But um, <laughs> I took my parents. <laughs> I was like, hey, listen. I'm I'm jobless, man. I don't tell you, but you know, she was. I always knew you'd be successful. I didn't know it would take you 31 years to figure out what it was, mm-hmm. and I still haven't really. At that point, I didn't figure it out. But you know, it's it, we talk about you know our championship day, our legacy day, and stuff. And it, it's you know, like one of my I am statements. I am a servant leader, and where that comes from is like you have to pour into other people. But and I was listening to uh, Ed Milet today. It was one of the old Arte calls and it was convenience and greatness, you know, don't happen at the same time. So like constantly pushing myself to improve every single day and, and pour into others, it, it's tough. And, and I, I think when I decided, you know, when I retired, it w- was for me. But when I started really focusing on the business, when I'm like, you know what, I have to be in the gym more to help more people. That's it. Like, mm-hmm. and what kept me from signing the paperwork for the army was, which was crazy was, I walked into the gym one day, you know, dude, I was dragging ass. I had like metal shavings and oil in my hair from the, the pipe threader and, and probably covered in and probably asbestos. Honestly, I don't know. At this point, <laughs> we do a lot of old stuff. I walk in and there's like a half dozen or a dozen like kids from the age of six to 10 in my gym. Like, like, Hey, we heard you got, you guys coach wrestling. I'm like, fuck. I can't leave these kids. No. So, and it was like four years after I found the National Guard paperwork in a folder I had hidden, so my girlfriend didn't find it at the time. I'm like, I can probably throw those away. You know, yeah. they don't need that. <laughs> and you know, but like that was really the first, and I didn't recognize at the time that was my first. Like, you, it's time for somebody else, you know. And mm-hmm. and one of the things, you know, my gym's a Rogue Combat Club. It's not Johnny Bucks MMA gym. Like, like my time is done. I I had my I had my run. I did my thing. I don't. You'll never see my name on shit. You know, you'll see my gym, you'll see my brand, and I, I am adamant about protecting this image because sure. not me, what everybody else has done to get here. But uh, yeah, man, it, it's pouring into other people, and that's the one benefit that I have over, I think, a lot of other industries is like obviously roofing's a big one. You know, like you need can't have a leaky roof because you know you're providing your house. But like to mm-hmm. me, like, I get to make individual impacts every single day, like, every, every day, every, and that. And it's more tangible. So it's like it's a direct correlation. Like, dude, I lost seventy pounds. Hey, I'm off anti-anxiety medicine. Like, it's very in your face. And like, I think that's the faster rewarding system that I get. You know, but it's, it's been huge for me. It's- for sure, I'm gonna. I'll say something right now publicly on this show that I haven't actually admitted out loud in a while. But for the last six years, I haven't been in the gym and I haven't worked out or. Or train. I used to do a ton of jujitsu at law enforcement. I was a Gracie combatives instructor, nowhere near the level you are. <laughs> we talked about that before. Not like actually, I had never had any desire to fight anybody in the cage and get punched and all that. It's just not something that ever excited me. I do love to compete, but a month ago, my 14 year old son came to me. He wanted to start working out. He wants to play basketball. And he thinks I used to be something like an athlete. I even believe that myself <laughs> from time to time. So I said, yeah, man, let's start working out. So we've been going on every day, five days a week. I pick him up after school, 320. We're in the gym. It's about 530 all the way through the sauna. We shower there. I make him shower, big shower. 
He's th- he'll be 14 in a month. So that's, it's really awkward for him. I'm like, dude, this oh, is yeah. life. This is what we're doing, man. This is what we're- a funny story real quick. So I've probably taken a thousand showers in that, in this YMCA over the last 15 years. Right. And uh, it's never more than me, maybe one other guy. The first day we get in there, I get him in there and like three old guys walk in and it was just a crowded shower. And I remember thinking I'm 41 <laughs> years old and this is re- very rarely happens. And he was his first day. And uh, we laughed and I said, that wasn't that bad, was it? And he said, no. But the, the point I was making is for the last month, five days a week, we've been in the gym. And right now I'm looking at the time I can, my body's craving it. I can feel I'm craving being there. I'm craving the movement. I'm starting to crave the that time in the sauna, the, the high heart rate. And I had been missing that for a long time. Like I worked out enough to where if you squint your eyes, you still think maybe I'm going to the gym a little bit, just enough to get away with it. But dude, then to be to own the gym, to have people you're pouring into, I can tell you how good I feel just me and my son going and moving every day. So that is very big for people. And if you can get people bought into the gym, believing in themselves, compete and everything else, it gives it's a whole new purpose to wake up and live life. And when you wake up with a purpose and something to do and something to look forward to, it's infinitely better than waking up and reacting. And that's the difference. That's a difference today that you get to make in people's life. So my question for you right now is when you were fighting, obviously this got to be a rush. It's got to be because you're in the spotlight. You're the, you're the star of the show. When you start pouring into people and you're talking about, you didn't at the end of your fighting career, you weren't feeling as fulfilled. Now that you're pouring into people, I, I'm assuming that fulfillment is off the charts today, but how does it compare today running your gym, pouring into people, watching them compete, watching them win fights and competitions versus to the fulfillment you had when you were doing it yourself. Do you feel like today you're more fulfilled helping people than you ever were doing it yourself or? Yeah. A thousand times better. It's weird. So a lot of times it looks like I want to be the star of the show and the center of attention, which, you know, I was my, my last MMA fight, my local regional show, I made more money than Everybody on the UFC undercard that night, not just in my money for showing up, but for my sponsorship, because I really understood how to draw the eyes to me. And that was mm-hmm. early social media. That was like 2000, so probably my last fight, probably 2016. Yeah, it wasn't 2016. So I was an early adopter of that. And what I did was I talked shit. Like, mm-hmm. dude, one of my good friends, he's a, one of the best nutritionists in the world, I was like, hey, man, I'm going to call you a pussy online to get us more money. He's like, all right, cool. You know, and, and it never happened because they were trying to pay us like peanuts to try and kill each other. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, so I understood that. But, like, I don't really like the eyes on me. So one of the members, uh, she's been with us forever. One of the, she's one of the notes I have. They did a surprise birthday party for me at the gym. Like, and I was like, my wife, now wife, girlfriend at the time, she's like, hey, you need to act like you want to fucking be here. I hated it. I hated the fucking attention. I hate, like, I want you to be grateful and I want to know you're grateful, but I don't want you to show it. It's it's great that, that comedy in my fucking head. Enjoy that. Yes. Um, <laughs> let's say uh, the intro of my podcast, because I would not want to spend 10 minutes inside your head. This is such a shit show in there. And that's the intro <laughs> of my podcast. It's, it's yeah. clip from Mike talking shit to me. But, uh, I heard that live, by the way. It was the same day. That's the, that's the same. He said that the same day that me and you first met. I spoke at that at that event that day, 
and I made a joke about your ears. I said, I had started, a, I had started to tear up a little bit. I was telling a story about my wife yeah. when she told me she believed in me. And I was like, if anybody laughs at me, I'm gonna have the guy with the ears come get you. Yeah, and you I'll started, and you started, I was, and I point, I said, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And then uh, from then, I, I came up and introduced myself and asked you to please not beat me up behind yeah, the scenes so. in private. <laughs> But yeah, no, and and that's the thing. I've never really enjoyed that attention. Um, yeah. You know, I like speaking. I like I like you know I like being on stage. I like performing, but I don't like the attention on me. And I think that's because I like delivering value. I like giving to people. You know that yes. I'm, I'm a huge giver. So when I win a fight, it was always, and this is this is the problem fighters have. So if you if you're an MMA fighter or whatever, stop doing this. Stop apologizing to your teammates when you lose. They're not there. To, mm-hmm. They don't give a fuck if you win or lose. They don't. I don't. Did you have fun? Did you do your best? And then, then we're happy as shit. So the thing for me is when I see somebody else win, I don't care what it is. I, I, you, I hate fighting. I hate it with a passion. It's annoying. The fighters are high maintenance. I, dude, we drove to Greer, South Carolina one night. The next night we j- got up early, drove to Winston-Salem. I, I don't know how many coaches, fighters I coached that day. Like, I got all the gray hairs from that, you know, so it's super stressful, but watching them win, you know, cause that's not, and I don't mean like get their hand raised. I mean, watching them win in life, like, like check a box that they, that they said to themselves, Hey, I, I won today. Even when they lose one of my guys, he lost is the best fights he ever had. He lost. I'm like, dude, I'm proud of you. Like that's the best. He goes, I, he goes, I feel good about it. And I'm like, cool. Yeah. That's where it's at for me. So yeah, anytime I can pour in somebody else, dude, it's a million times better than any win. Like, well, I want to I want to add into that to piggyback on that. I think I think what's most important for everybody, if you're listening to this show right now, what Johnny just said is super important. It's up to you to define what success is to you. Like you are, you choose the metrics in which you measure your success, not the people around you. Like you saying, don't apologize. It's no different than when. Like uh, me working with my son, he's trying to, he's going to try out for the basketball team. He wants to be in shape. So we play basketball. I'm horrible. I can't coach him with anything, but I'm there. I show up every day. We play some basketball. You know, typically neither one of us even hit the goal with a bunch of air balls, but we're getting better. And uh, right. we, 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 we show up and we, we do this every day. But if he went to try out, when he goes and tries out for the team, if he doesn't make it, I would think it's no different with how I feel about my son. I would I just want him to show up. I just want him to try hard. Like the metric of success isn't if you make the team. You're 14 years old, you've never played basketball. In fact, you should expect not to make the team because the people you're competing with, a lot of them have been playing basketball since they could walk for the last 12 years. They have a 12 year head start on you. So you need to go in with a mindset understanding you're probably not going to make this team, but that's not a reason to not do the work. That's not a reason to not show up, and it's not a reason to not try. Michael Jordan, since we're on the topic of basketball, didn't make his high school basketball team, and instead of being a victim and saying, oh, that didn't work, let's figure something else out, he said, no, this is what I want to do it myself. So he committed, and he showed up, and he was disciplined, and we know how that turned out. So. Yeah. I think that's a, um, I think that's a, a huge point for sure. I, I do, man. I really do. And I never thought about it like that. You know, I've never been in anybody's corner during a fight, but I gotta I I would have to imagine the emotions. You know, it's not like missing a sale. Like we almost had it. We just didn't quite close it. Like it's like this dude just knocked me unconscious in front of twenty thousand people. And not no telling how many people are at home watching. I mean, it's gotta be it has to be so emotional. In the moment, yeah. it has to be. There's so much pressure. There's so much 
has to be. I can't even imagine. I think what really, and we talk about like how earlier on they talk about how like coaching, you know, men and women in business and, and kind of parallels is, and and we touched on. I don't remember exactly what was said, but like where we get in, and it, this is where I struggle so fucking bad is falling in love with the potential versus the effort. Like mm-hmm. I, I, I sent a picture to my team. I'm like, these two guys are running the program for my gym right now. And, and dude, they're early twenties. Right before I started working for us, one's holding a beer up to his ear, like a phone. The other one's hiring drafts ass. Like it, I'm like, these guys are running programs, you know, but like, they did the work. They've done the work consistently for a long time. And it's the process is, but like, if they're not willing to do the work, if they weren't willing to do the work to accomplish the mission, then I can't want it more than they do. I can't push them harder than they're willing to work. That's right. And that's where I, I have failed early on as a coach was I, and, and I'm mildly embarrassed, but not too embarrassed. Cause he, he was one of my teammates who left gyms. And I was coaching him because his coach didn't show up. So I watched him quit in a fight. I watched him quit because it got hard. And I yelled and I said all kinds of things that thank God I wasn't mic'd up. And I got up and walked off. Mm-hmm. I was like, because I expected him to operate at his potential, not what he was doing. Yeah. And that's been a really tough lesson for me. It's been really difficult for me to deal with that. But, you know, it's pouring to those who, who are open and ready to take more. And anytime I've noticed, and even my wife both did it, and my wife works with me. Um, she runes the gym, I'm pretty sure. But <laughs> at least she knows what's going on. She if it's lied. anything like my roofing company, she probably yeah. runs the whole shit. That's she's what like, my wife does. She's like, I right, what visionary shit do you have today? I'm like, listen, just figure out how to make this work, okay? But um mm-hmm. she goes, No. But uh yeah. we spent so much time trying to pour into people earlier on in, in our business and our, our our leadership positions that we knew could do more but weren't doing the work, that we didn't realize how much we were detracting and stealing from those trying to do the work. And now it's a big fucking learning curve for you. you know, so what I've done now is, I'm like, this is what I need you guys to do. If you do this, we will continue. If you don't do that, I'm not going to chase you down. Like Most recently, I asked a couple of my guys who are struggling with finances and, and time management. I'm like, hey, go write me your schedule, what you have to do every day for the next seven days. All right, Get me your budget. Bring it to me on Monday. I didn't see either of their budgets or time management thing. But somebody who overheard me brought me theirs. I'm like, oh. Mm-hmm. So my energy goes where that person is. So, you know. It's tough. It's really tough when you know they they can do a lot more. But that's one of the hardest things. I agree. I have people around me right now to this day that I look at and I'm like, man, if you would just apply yourself, you could be unstoppable. And I mm-hmm. see it all the time, and I see it in people all the time. And it, and it, it's so frustrating to me. You know, I was the we played golf. I was playing in a weekly afternoon tournament nine holes it was a two-man scramble and there was a Bowen county sheriff's deputy that was there playing in this tournament we were walking out and uh i was putting my stuff in a car going back in i was going to grab like a hot dog and a beer and see who won the prizes and i said hey you coming back in here and he said nah man i can't i got work early in the morning we can't all own businesses like you and i kind of laughed and then i stopped for a second and i turned around looking and i said i said why not I said, what do you mean? 
I said, why not? And he's like, well, because this is all I know. It's all I've ever done. I said, do you, and this was about two years ago when this happened. So I was only two and a half years removed from being a cop myself. I was like, you realize two and a half years ago, I was in the car, no different than you. And I believed with every ounce of my soul that this is all I had to offer to the world. I knew I would be a cop until I retired. And I didn't know what I would do after that, but I knew I was going to struggle financially. And I just, I had absolutely nothing to offer the world and injury pushed me into entrepreneurship. We started having success. I started hiring business coaches. I had people ask me to speak, started growing other businesses. And here I am today, the most confident version of myself I've ever been. And I feel like I'm invincible when I feel like I'm only getting started. And it's just crazy in a four year. And don't get me wrong. I'm not rich or anything like that today, but I can see it coming. Like it's going to happen. I can feel it. I can see it. I know how to get there. But it was a mind shift where I went from this is all I have to offer the world to accidentally building a few things and coming to in, into some clarity on, I can do absolutely anything that I want to do. We all can. And then it becomes like this, like this burden in my soul that I want to share. It's the reason for this podcast is a reason for the conversation we're having. I want everybody to understand you legitimately. It's just not something that your parents tell you when you're a kid. You legitimately can be anything that you want to be. You can, there are no rules. There are no rules. You yeah, I think that anything. it's like uh, the staking the elephant thing. They stake an elephant when it's young with a little stake that they can't pull out, right? And it mm-hmm. bleeds in its head forever. I think that happens at some point in time. And, you know, w- one thing that, like I, like, I talk about is rebuilding the American dream. Like, and my American dream can be different than your American dream, but as long as yours doesn't fuck with mine, I don't care what you do. And, and I think that it's a situation where people, and I, I call it the American nightmare. Go to school for 12 years, then you go to four more years, you, you get $150,000 in debt, then you get married, 2.5 cars. Like I didn't, and I, I talk about this, and I felt like a loser for a long time. And I didn't buy a house until I was 36 years old. I mean, I'm not married. I don't have, actually, no, I got married the day after I bought my house. So I, I did it right, you know. Yeah, uh, then we, we got a dog and some new cars and shit, you know. So <laughs> it was out of necessity. My wife's car is a piece of shit. It's about it's gonna cost yeah. some more money than it was worth. So we I said, you know what, we'll go buy a car. But so we did that American nightmare part. But um like I didn't buy a house until I was 36 years old. I lived in a house that should have been condemned two years ago with yeah. four people like at one point. I might did one dude my bathroom was the size of a toilet. I'm pretty sure they somehow wedged a shower in there. Uh, it, it was built in the thirties and they expanded it. And then all of a sudden in the span of 12 months after busting my ass in a gym during COVID, right. Which is a nightmare. We, we were shut down yeah. for 16 months. Supposedly. Um, yeah. I don't know what happened. Dude, I'll take 10 more COVIDs. I made so much money because I never shut down. I, because I stood on a hill that I believed in. I think that was bullshit, and it's not a political. It, it, it's, I, I have a biology degree. I understand statistics. The math didn't math. And, the again, the messages that I have in that lockbox are like, hey, man, can we come in and, and like, do – we'll watch the math. So we'll come in the back door. I might not fuck it. We're just going to open. But the thing is – I didn't buy the house till I was 36 years old. And I'm looking at on Facebook, oh, got married, bought a house, got a boat. And you only see the highlights and stuff. But like I'm not special. Like I, I'm not that I'm not that much smarter than anybody else. I'm not that much stronger. I'm much better looking than everyone. I get that. But you know, that's what my you know, my feet picture sounds so good. But like, yeah. you know, I I just did it my way. 
And, you know, for me, I it's delayed gratification. I went from having zero house living in something that can be condemned to having a house and buying a rental in 12 months. Mm-hmm. And it just happened to work out. I'm like, I don't know how this worked out, but it did. And, you know, so I don't, I don't think anyone's crazy. The, the psychology of money, a really good book. There, there's one chapter called no one's crazy. And it talks about because of your experiences, because of what you've seen, that kind of shapes who you are, you it know, does. Like poor people buy lottery tickets because mm-hmm. they think that's their only way out. Where rich right. people don't buy lottery tickets because they understand putting $20 a week in a compounding interest fund will get them more money. You know, So I don't think – I think that your buddy is right to some extent. But, yeah, you know, we have to – like I always joke about The Matrix. I thought the movie was not very good. But like the red pill and the blue pill. Well, that's Any, what it is. That's anything. what it is. Regardless of what anybody says, I, I try to not ever get political on here, but there is a system and the system is designed to trick you into believing you're stuck in your current situation and you're a victim of whatever they tell you you're a victim of today. And if you just stop watching the news and stop listening to that shit, get around some other people that are achieving big things, massive things and start to talk to people, you start to realize the only thing that ever held me back in my life was between my ears. It was based on it was based on things I heard my whole life growing up. If rich people weren't so rich and greedy, maybe we could have something too. So I was a victim of that mentality. Like I thought people who were successful, I put it to you like this. There are days where I sit around and I think that the two most influential people in my life were my grandmother, my dad's mom, and my dad. And I was raised by my dad, single father, and his mother helped out big time. Both of them taught me, not necessarily taught me. My grandmother big time was old school Southern Democrat, 100%. We're we're the way we are because rich people are greedy. We'll always be this way. So there's a lot of that that I believe. My dad was a little different. He was starting to sort of escape that as he got cancer and passed away in, in 08. He was only 49. So here I was early twenties trying to figure life out on my own. I was like, I don't know what to do, but I lost both of them within a two year period. And the world's against me. I have no way to make money. I'm not like, I, 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 like you, I lived in a house that should have been condemned. I just know I should not have been living. I joke often. And I tell my kids like right now, today, this is the difference in my life and your life. You would not walk. You wouldn't step foot in the house I was raised in. Like you would pull in a driveway and be like, I'm not going in there. That's my difference. And some of my happiest memories in life were made in that condemned house. So that's why today I don't feel like I'm better than anybody. And now that I do have a little bit of success and make a little bit of money, I want everybody to know if I can do it, you can fucking do it. Like, I was raised to believe this was not possible and I still am doing it anyway. Yeah, it's like, you know, talk about <laughs> the house you shouldn't live in. My dad was a general contractor. So it helped, you know, I, I've done everything from foundation to shingles and everything terrible in between. He had a, a 14 yard dump trailer. One and a half of those got the trash out. Like there's put the person before me lived there had a fucking pig that lived in the house. It's gross. Like luckily it was relatively clean, you know, but like, yeah, you know, like I, I do believe a lot of it is like just knowing that. You don't know anything. Like that's nothing. it. Like, there's no absolutes, man. Nothing. Um, I, I legitimately thought that ten grand a year was 
unimaginable for a gym. If we don't do 10 grand a week, I don't pay my bills. And and but here's the thing. It's not my bills. It's my bills, my wife's bills, everybody who works for me's bills. Mm-hmm. You know, most of my guys are full time. They have this opportunity and it's because I was like, "You know what? I don't think that's true." You know, and, and you're right. You do hear nothing about if someone's rich or well off, they fuck somebody over. I was like, not what I have found to be that further from the truth. Everybody that we know who's doing well and, and the groups that we're in, they help more people than they help themselves. And I, I think that's what really allows us to give back. Like, yeah, we'll probably make more money because of it, but I don't care. Like for I'm, sure. I sat in a room with Mike Claudio and the entire win rate team in January on a retreat and the entire weekend, the, uh, the conversations were around the impact, what we can do, how can we be better? How can we better serve our clients? How do we make sure they're winning at life? Not one conversation was about a dollar or how much money we could make. And everything that I was raised to believe as a child, being in that room, because Mike splurged, he wanted his team to experience a multi-million dollar house on a lake. There were private chefs. He's like, we need to feel this. And I knew right then if my grandmother was probably rolling over in her grave, if she knew I was in this house with <laughs> these, with these rich people, you know, like that's, that's what, and, they, and they're not rich. They're just a little better off than we were growing up. And anybody that was better off than us was rich and greedy. And because of them, we couldn't have anything. But I, I thought to myself, then I was like, man, this contradicts everything I've ever been taught about people with money about people who are high achievers they're not greedy they're trying to pour in other people they're looking to make the world a better place just like the way you're running your gym you care more about the sticky notes and the thank you notes and the then you do the money coming in but that's why you're in the top one percent and that's what people need to understand it's not about the money it is about the money because we're in business we want to make money but it's that cannot be your primary focus if you want to have long-term success you better figure out how to make an impact how to build relationships and how to serve other people. That's how you get ahead in life. And that's what actually I'm talking about on the podcast right now. Cause I've got the, is the Johnny Buck show. It used to be the, I hate Johnny Buck show. Uh, Mike made me change that, but, uh, <laughs> but you no, know, the three things that have really impacted my life more than anything, you know, from a mindset is gratitude. Like, and I remember like, it, it's weird the things you remember and don't remember, but like I remember exactly what was happening when I when I made the switch to gratitude in my head. I was driving a uh, my F two fifty Power Stroke, which is a black hole of money. It was really fast, but it broke a lot. It's a Ford. Keep yeah. on. But uh, I, this guy drove by me in a uh, in a like a Denali, the, one of the brand new Denalis at the time. Dude, I'd love to have that truck. And as I said that, getting off the exit where I was working for nobody but myself to go to my gym. There's a guy, an older, and I'm going to say piece of shit because it was broken down, an older piece of shit, broken down truck on the side of the road. I'm like, dude, what am I doing? I'm like, oh, I want this guy's shit. I'm in this shit. That sucks. That does suck. Dude, you've got to be. And I, I messaged a buddy of mine that day. It was like my jiu-jitsu coach, BMAC. I was like, dude, you got to. And we had a conversation. And that was a that was a pivotal point in my life. It started being grateful for everything. Like, yep, bad day, grateful. Why? It's a learning, it's a lesson learned. So that was a big one for me was that. And understanding that money's not evil. Like the more money I make, I want to make a fuckload of money. I don't know what I'm going to do with all of it, but mostly give it away. I I don't need fancy things really. I like hunting trips. I like 
spending money on my wife. That's really what I do. I like but vacations. More, yeah, yeah, I like vacations. The more money I make, the more things I can do. Like money's not evil. You know how much cool shit I can do? Like, it's like, dude, one of my favorite things was the first uh, Hall of Fame get together was like, I don't remember how much we gave to that waitress. And like, she composed herself pretty well. She's crying, but we walked by later. Like, we walked, and she was from, she was just straight collapsed. I'm like, can't do that broke. That's right. You I, bought do that one, I bought one of my guys a car one time. Uh, I, I won it in an auction by accident. I think I was going to win it. And his car something. Hey, man, you can have that. You can't do that, broke. Like I did the same thing. Bought a minivan for one of my guys so he could get his girls back and forth to school. A minivan? I, we, you hate him? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> it was cheap. It was $3,500. He didn't have a way to get around. So I saw it oh, for, yeah. for listed. And I went and bought it and was like, hey, man, here. Use this until, and he actually is now my operations manager, makes good money. He just bought himself a new truck. But, and he, same thing, he credits me a lot. He's like, dude, thanks for believing in me and pushing in me. And it's no different. I just saw, I saw potential, and the potential was what I was after. Like, I just wanted to see him win, and I was willing to help him do that. And I get burned a lot by seeing the potential in people and trying to help people. And then people become takers and they become greedy. And then when you stop giving, they want to paint you in a bad light. And I, I like, I get it. And I'm, I'm still okay with risking all that. I'll continue to help people until to. the day I die. I'm not going to let it jade me when I get taken advantage of. That's just, and I don't even say it anything out loud publicly. And I'm not even going to expose people. It's just like, okay, well now I know where we stand. And I just adjust how I interact with that person on a personal level, but nobody else ever even hears about it. I just go on about my life and I live my life the same way I was the day before. I think that's where people make mistakes and it sucks if you get burnt early on because now you have a bad taste in your mouth. And, and the only person that hears me bitch about is my wife. And it's not that I help them. It's that I should have put that help somewhere else. For sure. That's the but, frustrating part. That's the frustrating I, part. Because it, whether it's time, resources, whatever it is, you could have given it to someone who would have been more receptive and actually applied it to do better and further go make an impact in their life. And that's what I want. I want to. I want to create. I want to create a, a scenario where as many people as I can impact on a daily basis go out and do the same. I think we start living for others, and and that's how we solve a lot of the issues facing us right now. Just oh, show up for one another, man. And then I'll tell you this. This and I and, and I won't keep you too much longer, keep okay. people listening for too long. But over the weekend, so last Wednesday through Sunday, it was my daughter's 16th birthday, Monday. So last Wednesday, we left, we went to New York, stayed in Times Square for her. We went to Chicago, got to see a few Winrake people, Bill Baker, Mari Madrigal, a few of those uh, came out and saw us. Uh, it was it was a great trip. But during that trip, we did a lot of flying. A lot of riding, a lot of time on the train. And so I had time to just watch videos and figure something out. So I downloaded two shows from Netflix so that if I didn't have signal, one of them was uh, Chimp Empire. I don't know if you've watched it. It is fascinating. The okay. other one was Roman Empire. And let me tell you something. They're the exact same show. These chimpanzees, they send out <laughs> patrols to protect their borders. That They have one alpha that's the leader. And if he shows any weakness, they'll attack him and kill oh, yeah, him. I and watch power. That. It's, 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 it's fucking wild. But then you're watching Roman Empire, and it's the same thing. They're killing emperors. They're murdering them behind their back. If he shows a sign of weakness, like they're thick steady conquering and it's like dude we behave like animals if we can get that primitive behavior 
kicked to the side. Like imagine the advances we could make if we just started having conversations with each other. Like that's why we can speak. Chimps can't speak. They have to rely on instincts. We don't. We can have conversations. We can progress forward. I'm not saying there's not a place in the world for aggression because there certainly is. There's a lot of bad people, dangerous people out there. So I want to continue to train and work out and be as aggressive as possible in the moments when I need to be. But with that being said, I, I do believe if we could, if, man, if we could somehow have conversations with as many people as possible every day, I, the world would be a better place. I think, I, I think that again, trying to get too political with it, bad news sells. So when I, when me and my ex split up, I was homeless before. So I was homeless before I lived in the, uh, my condemnable house. Homeless seemed better, honestly, reflecting, but, uh, <laughs> There's no internet. I couldn't play Xbox. But um, I, I moved back to my parents for, you know, 60, 70 days. And I would get up in the morning. I was watching the news. And it was it was the same time period where that gratitude thing clicked. Mm-hmm. And I was, like, in a bad fucking mood all the time. It was probably why I was mad about that truck, right? And I'm like, I'm watching the news every day. So what I did was I, I knew that's what was triggering it. So I started writing down Negative stories, negative stories. It was four days of negative stories and one neutral one. I wouldn't even say it was positive. I'm like, that's how people start their days, right? It is. So that's what the news does because that keeps eyes on it. Because I kept watching. I'm like, dude, another murder. That's crazy. Man, mm-hmm. this town's a shithole. So I don't think the world is as negative as it is. I really don't. But that's what sells. Like That's what – like do soap operas if like there was good relationships on soap operas nobody would watch that shit like nobody picks up the tabloids for good stories i'll I'll tell one more quick story before Uh. before we hold everybody up and it's about this trip we went on last week so we get to new york and we're downtown we take an uber down by the statue of liberty find a place that we can actually there are places you can take luggage and they will hold your luggage so you can see the city and then you're going to check in later this afternoon. So that's what we did. I happened to call Tom Coogan. You probably know Tom. He's in Winrate. He's a New York City firefighter. He owns Renewal Solutions. Told Tom, hey, we're in town. He said, get out of here. I actually work tonight at the firehouse. So I went over there, showed the kids around. But I was like, man, I have no idea how to get around the city. Tom, I'm terrified. Small town, Alabama. There's like 5,000 people in the town that I was <laughs> raised in. There's that many people in this city block. And which like, yeah. there's another 80,000 city blocks. Like, I don't even, this is, it was, it was, the amount of people was overwhelming to me. The chaos, the, all the thing, all the moving parts. It was just so far out of, Rick, Tom sort of laughs and he's like, take the train, man. Take the subway. I was like, Tom, we got luggage. I got my kids with me. He's laughing. He's like, you'll be fine on the train. So we get on the train. Dude, I, we spent a week in New York and Chicago. Like everybody talking about Chicago is like, you're going to get murdered and robbed downtown. It's a horrible, disgusting city. That city <laughs> was beautiful. It was a beautiful city. No issues on the train in New York or Chicago. I'm not saying that crime doesn't happen, but if you follow the news, I would, if I would, I would have never taken that trip. People being murdered in the sh- streets, raped in the subways. You know what I mean? Like you hear all this horrible stuff. And then I get there and it was a wonderful place. I want to take my family back for Christmas to New York. Like I would go back and ride the subways in Chicago today. You can't believe everything that you see in here. And I'm just for the record, I'm not telling anybody listening that Chicago is safe. Go hang out in Chicago. I'm just saying I didn't experience it. And had I listened to the news, I would have never had that. This amazing trip that I just had with my wife and my two teenagers, we wouldn't have had had I was I listening 
to the Plus, narrative. Like we don't push self-defense in our gym. I hate it F- because fear is a, a short-term emotion. Mm-hmm. So how do you keep fear going? You keep p- pumping out more and more negative stuff. And, and at a certain point, you get numb to it. So they have to go crazier. So mm-hmm. yeah, hold on, man. Like I, the, the world is much more like you and I, this conversation, than it is the news. I, I guarantee it. Well, I think I 98% of the fine. people alive are just like me and you and everybody else. Now, we may have a few discrepancies and things we believe political and where our values lie. But I think at the root of it, we're all people and we all want the same thing. It's just a world to be a better place. We want to kind of be left alone. We want to do our own thing, but we also want to help other people along the way. And I think the majority of the people alive fall within within that spectrum. I honestly do. So Johnny, real quick, before we get off here, man, we've been, we've been going about an hour. I just want to, I always give all the guests an opportunity to share a little something. So I'm going to ask you a specific question. Is If for the people listening, Based on your knowledge, your experience, somebody who's thinking about going into business for themselves or building something for themselves, what advice do you have for them? Do it. Just absolutely do it. And understand you are going to make mistakes. You will fail. I failed miserably recently. I just completely aborted one of my new initiatives uh, that I wrote four days ago because it's not going to work. But whenever you fail, fail forward. Like That's that's, that's the big thing is you're going to make mistakes, learn from your mistakes, the two things that I see fail, like that cause business to fail the most are one, they quit too soon. Mm-hmm. And two, they make the same mistake repeatedly. Like that, that's the biggest thing. Like, you know, my wife and I run this business. We make a lot of mistakes, but we try not to make the same mistake twice. That's what will get you. So those are two that's things. Right. That's right. I read something this morning. Somebody wrote, you know, I got a lot of you know people who were like me and you, they won't see everybody win. So I say, I read a lot of motivational stuff. I've hijacked my social media. That's all I see. I don't see the negatives. You make a negative comment, I, I unfollow you instantly. I don't yep. have time for that in my life. But I read something this morning, and, and and I don't remember the exact verbiage, but it basically said your experience, failures lead to experience, and experience leads to less failures. So as long as you're learning from the failures that you're having, you're gaining experience, and the chances of you making them again in the future are much less so man thank you so much for coming on thank you sharing with everybody um before we hop off of here real fast for anybody listening who's not reading i'll put it in the description of the episode as well but how can people find you i I, you spoke about your podcast tell us a little bit about that and how people can find you if they want to hear what else you have to say yeah if you want a prime example of evolution and growth listen to all of my podcasts uh i put i I changed the name and title throughout the, the thing but i don't delete them so it's Johnny Buck Show is the most recent. It's on everything. Uh, and then Instagram, uh, at Johnny Buck, too. Like the number two. That's the easiest way to get a hold of me. But, yeah, man, that's it, man. I don't, I'm just now getting to the point where I can start pouring into others outside of my gym. So I'm trying to scale that a little bit. Awesome, man. Thank you again so much for coming on and talking with me today. I sure do appreciate it. I know everybody listening will, too, man. Thank you so very much. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Avoid the Confusion. We hope you found it inspiring and informative. Remember, success is not just about the talent. It's about mental toughness, perseverance, and the willingness to learn and grow. Make sure that if you found value in this episode today, that you hit that subscribe button so you don't miss any future episodes. If you truly found it valuable, share it with your friends and family so they too don't miss episodes moving forward. And then don't forget to join us again next week as we bring you another top performer in their 
respective field and explore what it takes to be the best version of you for you. Thanks again for listening to Avoid the Confusion. We'll see you next week.